Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Social Work Radio with me, your host, Vince Peart. Once again, and always, I am joined by my co-host, Tilly Baden. Tilly, my friend, how the devil are you? How have things been since you were last aboard the good ship SWR? Hello, everyone. Um, it's been a bit of a mixed week, actually. It's been a busy week, but um, today was very sad as I had to say goodbye to my car. It's been scrapped because it failed its MOT. And I've had this car since I was at uni. Um, so I was in my final placement when I bought it and it's done me well. It's looked wow. after me during my social work career so far. And it I, I actually shed a tear, which I feel a bit <laughs> stupid about. <laughs> no, no, it's, it's sentimental. It is sentimental. I'm I'm stupidly attached to a, a metal object, but I was really sad. It's because it's it brings back so many memories. It's looked after me. It's it throughout my career, so it's going to be strange. I need to get a new car now. Um, Did you car so, have a name? Did you name it? It did. Yes, Mercy, Mercy the Mercedes, very original. But- well, in that um, case, I think we should maybe uh, maybe have a memorial for. Should we should we have a little uh, a memorial for for Mercy at the end of the show? We should do like maybe a minute silence just to remember <laughs> her. <laughs> so there we go, listeners. If you hear a minute of just dead air at the end of the podcast, that's your opportunity to reflect upon Mercy the Mercedes and all the journeys that she carried our good friend Tilly upon. That sounds ridiculous considering what's going on in the world. But um, anyway, thank you for that. Um, how, how's you, how have you been? What's been up with you? Back back in the swing of things, like really, really busy, really busy, which is good and bad because I like to be busy because the devil makes work for idle hands. But equally, you ever get that feeling that you're taking on too much and you're overcommitting yourself? Yes, all the time. And Because yeah. I've... I find it very difficult to say no to opportunities. A, a lot of it stems, I'm going to get deep really early on the podcast. I promised one of my colleagues that we'd have a lighter show this week, but hey, ho, you never know what's going to happen. We, it is a lighter topic. We'll get into it. But I, because I didn't have anything when I was grown up, it's given me a mindset, like a scarcity mindset, a worry mindset, that if I worry, if I don't say no, to opportunities for work that come my way that it might put me in hardship when it doesn't does that kind of make sense yes yes I think lots of people go through this I think that's mm. quite a common feeling yeah so I say yes to everything because I, I don't I don't like letting people down if people come to me and say um Vince we need your support with this assessment or this project you know particularly the struggle is Teddy is when I've worked with people before when I've worked with people before and people come back to me and say, can you do this? Um, it's not an issue um, because I will do it, but it's just when you're looking at your diary and you're thinking, oh, that day's busy, that day's busy, that day's busy, that day's busy, and not taking the time out for yourself. And I always preach, and this is why I've got to be careful because you know on this podcast, Dilly, I always preach about the importance of self-care, the importance of taking time out. Now, I do that in the sense that I... I won't work evenings unless I have to. I'll never work, you know, the only time I really work on evenings is, is the podcast, um, which I enjoy, you know. Uh, it, 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 it is a labour of love, my evenings with you, Tilly. But very I, honest. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, so I enjoy I look forward to it, Tilly. I look forward to it greatly. One of the highlights of my week is the hour that I get to spend with you. Weekends as well, unless it's, definitely urgency so sometimes if I, I might have to book in a one-hour parent assessment session or something on a weekend what I'm not very good at though is taking time off and that's what I don't do I don't take time out for myself I fill my days with so much stuff and my days are diarized to the extent where I know what I'm going to be doing at what time in the next four or five months to come that I don't I don't always block out time for myself and I need to get better at that that's about being reflective I need to get better at that and I always say to myself when I go through these like really really busy periods I'll be like well Vince next time remember this and I never do I never do so this time I thought if I say it if I say it out loud I can hold myself accountable 
we'll have to check in with you next week and see how you <laughs> how you're doing <laughs> it's not... hard though I know that I get that I I'm the same I, I take on too many assessments yeah. and it's and I yeah every weekend and then I realized that I'm working seven days a week and yeah. then when I've got a couple of weeks booked off annual leave then I'm doing I'll take on a bulk load of assessments to do then and it's just we've got to stop we've got to look after ourselves you can't pour from an empty cup no no and, and look and I, I'm, I generally am spot on at doing this because my ethos is always quality over quantity you know I'd rather do two or three quality bits of work a month, right? One, one just, I, I usually only write one article a day. If I'm writing a book, I'll write two quality pages every single day. The podcast, we don't overcommit on the podcast. We do, rather than doing daily, you know, we, we, do, we do one a week. Because I always think it's better to do less, but put more effort into it. But just sometimes when deadlines all mount up, you have these crunch periods, don't you? But look, I don't want anybody playing a violin for me. This is very, very common in social work. You have ebbs and flows, don't you? You know, you, 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 you find it very, very difficult to stagger your work in social work because you don't know what's going to happen with the families you support and you don't know which assessments are going to come up. Um, it, it's one of the struggles of social work, isn't it, to find that consistency when the very nature of the people we support is a chaotic inconsistency. It is. Yeah, very, very true indeed. So, yeah, let's check in with me next week. Um, we've had two reviews come in on the podcast, Tilly, my friend. We gave a shout-out for reviews after our Cottage Dweller 7 last week, and we've had two reviews that both came in on the Friday, so you guys will have listened to this on the Friday morning or Thursday night if you're in the uh, US and uh, sent these over. So thank you very much to our two listeners who sent a review in this week. Our first one comes from Farah59, and they say, I love this podcast, and I love the dynamic between the hosts. Makes me laugh on the way to work every Friday morning. And our second five-star review comes from Poppy Kate, and she says, absolutely love the relationship between Vince and Tilly. I enjoy listening each week to some very thought-provoking topics, and we often discuss the podcast in the office. Not sure I could ever be as organized as Vince's, but I do try. Keep up the good work, XXX. Um, kind of ironic, given I've just talked about the problem of being organized too much and taking too much on. So, Poppy Kate, Kate, do not knock yourself for not being as organized as me, because it does come with its pitfalls. Um I like that both those reviews comment on uh, the dynamic and relationship between us, Tilly. I know. It's it's amazing. Thank you so much for those reviews. And I think we do get on well, don't we? We've we've known each other for a long time now. And um it it's always makes me stop and think, I I forget that we're doing an actual podcast most of the time when we're chatting. It's just like we're having a, a phone chat. We're like like we would do as friends um and then i have to remember that actually lots of people are listening so watch what i say but we well, don't got... watch what we say we do we we it we talk quite freely i think and that's that's the beauty of it we've got five thousand friends listening to us tell you that's the way i look at it we've got five thousand subscribers so it's you i and five thousand of our friends yeah, very intimate, obviously. <laughs> Talk, talking about reviews, and here's a good segue into this week's topic. It was World Book Week, World Book Day, should I say, here in the UK on Thursday. And we did a couple of pieces on the website about it. I, uh, oh God, the piece I did, Tilly. Wow, wow. Took me a long time, a long time to collate the top 50 books about social work. Um, I was, was very impressed with that. Did you read all 50? Have you read them all? I have. I've, all, over time, I have read all 50. But these are, I mean, these are books that I've read over the course of yeah, yeah. 12 years or so. Um, the difficulty is, is that I wanted to pick books that were universal. And I wanted to pick books that, obviously, we've, we've got a large American audience, a lot of American people listening to this podcast right now, a lot of American people um, from North America, Canada, and the US um, follow the website as well. So I wanted to make sure that I veered away from, because a lot of books I read are specific, like 
English law and certain theories and frameworks based that we ought to use in this country. So people might have noticed there were a lot of American, a lot of American authors on there. That that was intentional. Um, it, it's mostly based upon books that I found um, very, very useful. But there were some books that I put further up the list than I would have personally because I kind of wanted to make sure that it wasn't just my views. It was kind of reflective. So I put some books higher up based upon critical reception. Some were moved further up based upon sales figures, Goodreads reviews, and so on. Um, but the uh, the top five were also my top five. I made sure I put them in. But I veered away from sort of, there were books that I would have put in there, that I use more often, and we'll get on to that later in the podcast, but I didn't. Had you read a lot of them, Tilly, or a lot of them sort of new to you? Because I had a few people approaching me that I know personally saying they hadn't heard of a fair few of those books. Had you read a fair few of them, or at least knew of them? No, actually. There was a lot of books on there that I didn't know. I mean, the uh, your top five I'd heard of, and, yeah. and there was a few on the list that I, I've read, but no, I, I mean, I don't spend a huge amount of time reading social work related books. I, well, we're going to get onto this a bit later in the podcast, but I like to read books to escape day to day life and that are sort of set outside of my day to day reality. So I'm not a, a huge consumer of social work related books. So, mm. um, but I, I've got some, I think I will add some of those to my um, TB Red list. So I will get to them at some point along with the many other thousand that I've got on my list that I'm going to read at some point in my life hopefully before I die well I, I have a target I read a book a week and a, a lot of books I listen to as audiobooks because I do a lot of driving so most most of the reading I do these days I probably you know read slash listen to however you describe it about twice as many audiobooks as I do as I do written books simply because I have more time um I'm going to have a rant about World Book Day first, though. You know certain things get on my goat, don't you, Tell You know I get wound up about certain things that most normal folk wouldn't. I know. And in our podcast prep sheet, I just see Vince rant. And I'm mm. like, okay, right. Hand the mic over to you. Take right. the, the floor is yours. Well, I'm going to ask you this question first. Are you, I imagine you're aware, and in the past have worked with children who've gone dressed up to World Book Day. Yep, that'd be fair to say you're aware of that concept and have seen children going into school or perhaps you have pictures on Facebook and Instagram of your friends with kids who send the children into school dressed up on World Book Day. Yeah, yeah, it's a very common thing in the UK. It is common. So for our international listeners, basically World Book Day is the first Thursday of March in the UK. And I, I think it's probably international as well, but I only really know about it from this perspective. And uh, schools have specific book-related events, and uh, there's been a growing trend for children to go dressed up as a literary character. And I'm all down for that, Tilly. I love the idea of children going to schools dressed up as a literary character. What I cannot abide, though, is children who go dressed up as non-literary characters and or famous figures who are not predominantly known for their books, but may have had a book published, uh, usually an autobiography. And I, I don't like it. It's going to be something like this. When I, I saw don't like the, it. The, the rant, I was like, it's either going to be people going as muggles, and I yep. know that that's a really common thing, yep. um, and then just wear what they want. Or I thought it was going to be something along the lines of people misinterpreting books as films and, and dressing as film yes. characters rather than books. So, it doesn't daughter, bother me. It doesn't bother oh, me. Oh, Tilly, I don't like it. I don't. Something needs to be done about it. Um, in, in my daughter and son's school, there, were, there was someone went in as Wednesday Adams. Um, there was someone went in as a footballer. There was someone went in as a generic pirate. There was a generic robot-style character. I have seen things in the newspaper of people going dressed up as Tyson Fury, uh, as Prince Harry, and I don't like it. I, ca I can't stand it. Schools should crack down on this one, Tilly. There should be a push 
and schools should send out a letter and a diktat to all parents and guardians of children. And they should send out letters saying, from next year onwards, your child can only come in dressed as a character who was first and foremost known in a book publication. Now, I'm okay for kids going in as Harry Potter based on the style and look on the films, because that was first and foremost a published literary novel. But all of this going in as footballers and boxers and celebrities and people on TV and trying to make some sort of tenuous link because, oh, they might have had an album, they might have had, uh, you know, a, a book out at some point, like an autobiography. I don't like it. And I, something needs to be done about it, Tilly. It's a major issue. This is one of the key issues facing society right now. It needs to be addressed. So I'm going to throw it back at you and say, what about the parents that are struggling financially and perhaps their son or daughter has only got a football outfit and they haven't been able to to afford to get a, a costume made up or they haven't been able to go to the shops or buy something new? What if they've just got to make do with what they've got already? Uh -huh, I tell you, I've already considered this one because when I was when I was shouting on about this in the office on Monday, one of my colleagues put this to me and I said, well, I've already thought through that because I knew that's the kind of thing that people would say when I, I told them my views. There would be a pre-allotted list of acceptable characters and the school would have outfits available. It could be done on a similar basis to free school meals, which are already graded. So essentially, if your child is already eligible for free school meals, they will also be eligible for a free World Book Day outfit. I knew you'd have thought of something. I mean, <laughs> you're, you're anything but, um, yeah. Very, I am predictable. You are I am very a predictable, predictable man. Yeah. So yeah, I considered this. And um, it would be, uh, I mean, I'd be in charge of this. You know, uh, every year we would review the list and we'd have a, a list of 50 different acceptable literary outfits that would be a range of uh, appropriate um, outfits for different cultures, different races, different disability statuses of children. There would be something on there for everyone and it would put an end to this madness of children going in dressed as whatever they like. It's like, uh, do you know what? It's like Red Nose Day. It's like Comic Relief. My daughter's school, I thought it was Comic Relief or Rag Day. I, uh, the things I was seeing, um, it turned my stomach. I mean, a few minutes ago, we just talked about overcommitting. And I love how you put yourself forward to manage <laughs> this for the entire country slash possibly the world. Um, yeah, perhaps a bit overcommitting. I would love that. Do you know what? I've, I've fantasised about this on the drive back from work on Monday. I would love nothing better than to be sat in like a, a little council office and, and run the local authorities' World Book Day programme. And that could just be your permanent job, 24-7. I'd, love, I'd yeah. love something like that. People would come in and they would say, uh, well, Mr. Peer, you know, there's been a petition from Herdley Bank Primary School. They would like to add this character to the allotted list. And I would say, well, something's got to go. I'll go and curry favour. I would hold focus groups. Um, I'd meet with designers, we'd get the outfits, I'd fly up to China, I'd meet with people who could, you know, produce the outfits at the lowest possible price, but make sure it was still in an ethical workplace. Um, I'd have children in that could try it on. Honestly, it'd be, be my dream job that would. Sitting in a council office, judging people on arbitrary things that only matter to me. I don't even know what to say, to be honest. I think <laughs> it's just a reflection of you, isn't it? This is yeah. just... This has got your name written all over it. That's why um, I want the job. Oh, but honestly, dear. it's I I cannot believe the how World Book Day has been hijacked just as a fancy dress party. I mean, I love that you care this much about one day and, and about books. So why Maybe not? That's why I'm overwhelmed. But, um, Do you know what? Maybe that's why I've been overwhelmed because too much of my mental week. capacity. Yeah. It's been, it, do you know what? It, it's been the vicarious trauma of seeing those young lads dressed up as footballers on World Book Day. It's, it's rattled me. I mean, if that's your biggest problem, I think you're doing pretty well. Probably am. Probably am. Um, let's move on. So, on today's show, guys, 
I wonder how many people are listening to this who are thinking, I sent my son into school or daughter into school just as a sports star. Message me. Message me and let me know. Convince me. Change my mind. Convince me I'm wrong. Don't even try, listeners. Don't even try. <laughs> there is no point in trying to win an argument with Vince. I've learned to just throw my hands up and just let him get on with it. Um, and then bur- I, and then I feel for you. I will, I will support our listeners who are out there feeling alienated by Vince. Um, and it's fine. Your child can wear whatever they like. It's just a day. No. It's fine. The main thing is that we're talking about getting children reading. And that's, that's a really important message. Not about what they're wearing or dressed up as a character. The two things go hand in hand. Mm, okay, move on. No one wants to hear us rant about this anymore. <laughs> well, book day, it is important. And, and reading is important, as you just said there, Tilly. Um, I would like to ask you some questions, and I will answer them as well, about your favourite books. We're going to break them down into four categories. Firstly, I'm going to ask for your favourite social work-specific book on theory, ethics, frameworks, and so on, one that you sort of use in a practical basis. Then I'm going to ask you for your favourite book that relates to social work. doesn't have to be social work specific. can be in an allied field like mental health, psychology, psychiatry, self-help, and so on. The kind of things that mostly populated the 50 that I put together. There was only a very few of them that were social work specific. I try, generally speaking, I find a lot more use in in wider books rather than just in the niche of our own profession. Um, third question I'm going to ask you is your favourite non-fiction book, just about anything. And we're going to end, Tilly, on your favourite fiction book about anything. Are you ready to do this? I am very excited about this episode. Let's go for this then. So, Tilly, my friend, what is your favourite social work-specific theory book and why? Okay, so for all of these categories, I have not been able to pick just one. Uh, I just can't do Give it. Give me a it's few, like my friend. Give me it's a few. Like choosing between your children, I just couldn't do it. So, um, in no particular order, my favourite social work books. Um, Overcal. Oh gosh, I can't even speak. Overcoming challenges in the Mental Capacity Act, two thousand and five. Um, by Camilla Kong and Alex Rutkeen. Um, so that's one of my favourites. Alex Rutkeen is a barrister for 39 Essex Chambers and he's just the most inspirational academic speaker and barrister and lecturer that, that I've ever come across. I've heard him speak in person multiple times and he's like my version of a celebrity. He's just, I just could listen to him all day. He's amazing. Um, so that's a, a, a favourite book of mine. Next, we have Deprivation of Liberty in the Shadows of the Institution by Dr. Lucy Ceres. And Dr. Ceres was one of the speakers at our conference that we had last week. And she's absolutely amazing. She's a lecturer at Bristol University um, in socio-legal um, policy. And she just talks about the history of how we've moved from treating people as various with their mental health conditions as these outcasts in society and she talks about the asylums and how it's it's progressed through the ages and what it's still like now and that we still have these mini institutions in the community a very very good book and it's available free on open access if you just type in dr lucy series into google you can get that book for free my next favourite book, there's four, I, I should have probably said at the beginning. Um, the next one is Supporting Older People Using Attachment-Informed and Strength-Based Approaches. This is a book edited by Imogen Blood and Lydia Guthrie. Um, I've seen Lydia speak in, in person as well at a conference um, a few years back. And this is just a really, really great book that goes through uh, working with older people um, and using attachment-informed and strength-based approaches. It's got some practical stuff in there around tools that you can use to work with people as well as underpinning theory. It's just a really accessible book that I I very much love. Um, And then finally, reach over, because I've got all of these books in in my hand, because that's how I I can read them out, get the titles accurate. Um, Developing Quality Practice Learning in Social Work by Siobhan McLean um, with Ian Lloyd. Um, This is a go-to guide whenever I've got a student with me on placement, just really helpful 
practical exercises around supporting a student on placement. So another favorite of mine, they're my, they're my top four social work books. Excellent. Um, I've got 11. Because, oh, okay, it makes uh, me feel a bit better then. Yeah, li- like you. Um, so basically, I have a lot of books about social work, but there are 11 that live behind me on my bookshelf within easy reach. These are the ones that are my go-to. I've got lot, lots more than this. I must have 50 or 60 still. I've given a lot away, but I must have 50 or 60 social work books. But there are 11 that have stood the test of time that I still use to this day. Given there's so many, I'm not going to discuss what they're about. I'm just going to list them and people can look into themselves. The first one is Social Work Theory by Siobhan McLean and Rob Harrison. The second one is Direct Work with Vulnerable Children by Audrey Tate and Helen Wasu. The second one, the third one is also by Audrey Tate and Helen Wasu. That's Direct Work with Family Groups. The fourth is Working with Children and Teenagers Using Solution-Focused Approaches by Judith Milner and Jackie Bateman. The fifth is A Practitioner's Tool for Child Protection and the Assessment of Parents by Jeff Fowler. The sixth is Signs of Safety by Turnell and Edwards. The seventh is Assessment in Childcare by Martin Calder and Simon Hackett. The eighth is The Parenting Puzzle by Candida Hunt. The ninth is Children's Needs, Parenting Capacity by Cleaver, Unel and Aldgate. The tenth is Social Work Law by Alison Brammer. And the eleventh, and the one that I use most often, and the Bible, if you are a child protection social worker, is The Child's World by Jan Haworth and Dendy. Platt. There's a theme to my books, isn't there, Tilly? Can you guess what the theme is? Childcare. Well, it's essentially assessment. (laughs) Essentially assessment and child protection, which is obviously the bread and butter of my work. So I could talk about each one of those. I could speak about half an hour per book, but I'm just going to give the list there for our listeners if they want to check those out. But if there was just one that I would recommend, it would be The Child's World. It, It... It has everything you could possibly want to know to commence your career in child protection. And 10 years on, um, I mean, the second edition came out just before I started 10 years ago. Third edition came out about three, four years ago. Um, I've used I've used that book on a, a, at least a weekly basis for the entirety of my career as a child protection social worker. Um, moving on, Tilly, to our next question. What is your favourite book that relates to social work? So not a social work specific books like the one we've just gone through. What is your favourite book that relates to social work? Kind of like what was in my article and why? Okay, again, I, I can't choose between one. So uh, my list that I've, I've tried to keep it as small as I can. Um, anything by Brené Brown. I mean, Daring Greatly is probably my favourite one that she's done, but Rising Strong, Dare to Lead, um, they, they come in as close contenders. I mean, she's just the most inspirational person, and I love that she's a social worker that is more accessible for um, the general population. You don't have to be a social worker to read about her. She's, she's very popular within mainstream reading so i had um, um, i had like daring that. greatly as number two so i'm glad I that, we're there. that that was my second best social work book of all time i mean that book completely changed my life i remember reading it just before actually just before i i spoke to you for the first time and putting myself out there a bit more with with um with like being more of a presence within social work um because the the things that she talks about getting into the arena and if you you haven't um you can't criticize anyone if you're not out there actually doing the job and that really resonated with me and encouraged me to step into more of a public presence within social work and stand up and say what I believed in um so that's that's always got a a, 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 that's going to be close to my heart um some other books that have been very influential for me um just a child by sammy woodhouse and that's a book about um the rotherham scandal and sammy woodhouse is one of the survivors um, of child sexual exploitation in rotherham a few years back and she talks about her story and how she 
um, overcame those horrendous experiences that she had as a young person. And I think that was a book that really opened my eyes to what child sexual exploitation was. And it just, we, we'd heard so much about the case within the media. It was good to get it from her perspective about what actually happened. I don't know if this, well, I'll touch on fictional books as well, because I mean, they are social work related. Um, the Children Act by Ian McEwan, um, a very um, popular book that's been made into a film with um, Emma Thompson about uh, whether a 17 year old boy can make a decision about using blood, blood products and he's a Jehovah's Witness. And it goes through about whether it's in his best interest to to have his decision overruled and use the blood products or whether they should respect his wishes. And it really talks about that ethical dilemma that you have with these decision-making. Um, so that was, that's a really one of my favorite books. I love the, the, the ethical dilemmas that that brings. A Child Called It by Dave Peltzer. I know that was on your list as well. I remember reading number five. That. I feel like uh, yeah. I feel like I'm almost reading the top of the pups. And coming at number five. <laughs> oh, no, no, number five. It's A Child um, Called It by Dave Peltzer. Yeah, I remember reading this book when I was still at school. And I think it was probably one of the decisions. It, well, it certainly helped me make my decision to become a social worker actually it was that influential um just the most heartbreaking story and if, if any of you out there haven't read it I really recommend that you do although it's um it comes with a lot of trigger warnings about um some horrendous child abuse that that Dave um experienced when he was a child um I think they're probably my my top social work related books before we move on to the the non-fiction that are mm. slightly not so related to social work what's interesting there is um a few of the ones you've said are your favorites were also number five and number two on my list so it's good that obviously we hadn't discussed this beforehand i didn't know what you were going to come up with but that shows that some of those books really are good if we can come at it from very different perspectives certainly different you know, stages in our lives, different career paths, different choices of career was within social work. And the fact we can come out with A Child Called It and um, Daring Greatly, both in our top five, that, that shows a lot for those books, doesn't it? It does. They're very, very, they're, they're depressing books. Well, certainly A Child Called It is, um, but very, very influential. Um, anybody who wants to see my top 50 favourite books can go on to mysocialworknews.com. The article was published last week. You can still find it on there. It's still on the homepage about halfway down as one of the featured reads. I'm just going to talk about two. Um, I'm going to talk about one of the ones that was in my top five first that you haven't discussed. You've already talked about um, A Child Called It and you've already talked about Daring Greatly. So I'm going to just mention My Name Is Why by Lem Cisse. Um, Lem Cisse is somebody that I've always admired, um, first and foremost, for his, you know, his powerful poetry. Um, he speaks in such a rich voice about just, anything to do with life really he he has a great power of, of describing everyday life and the beauty of everyday life in in a wonderful way and I, and I admire that so much in people who can bring beauty to the mundane and the everyday and romanticize ordinary life so I admire him first and foremost for that but then when you learn about his experiences um being adopted, being taken from his mother under very difficult circumstances, being called Norman Greenwood, not finding out what his name was until he was in his late teens. Uh, and this book, My Name Is Why, it does something very unique in that it juxtaposes Lem Cisse's own account of his life growing up with the actual local authority case recording from the time. And what that does is it gives such a powerful reminder to social workers of the power of our words and the power of what we write. Because those words that we write, those case notes, those assessments that sometimes seem like a burden to our work, they will in future potentially be all that children have to try and put their life together and piece their life together. And I always knew that training teaches you that. Ofsted 
teach you that about always the importance on a child's voice. But to see that in a book by Lem Sisi, someone who I admire so much and whose work I adore, is very, very powerful. So that was my fourth favourite. My number one favourite, I've got to discuss this because it was top of my list, is The Body Keeps the Score by Bessel van der Kolk. Have you read that, Tilly? No, I haven't. I've heard of it, but I haven't read it. Yeah, it's, it's incredibly popular. It's incredibly popular. And it, it, it essentially goes into the things that happen to us leave a long lasting impact upon us. Now, we hear this in social work all the time, you know. Emotional abuse doesn't leave bruises, but it leaves scars. The sort of comments and sayings that we use, and, and obviously a, a lot of the time when I'm working with children, they can be on child protection plans for emotional abuse, which most of the time tends to relate to what their parents expose them to in relation to domestic abuse, inappropriate risk-taking behaviour, inappropriate adult behaviours, and so on. But this book goes into such specific detail and, and helps people understand the impact of traumatic stress and how it literally rearranges our brain's wiring and it affects every aspect of our brain. You know, the centres related to pleasure, engagement, control, and trust. Not only does it highlight, and this is the important thing, not only does it highlight the impact that trauma has upon our brains, but it offers a way to repair that damage. And I just think it's such an important message. You know, the body keeps the score. You know, what what happens to us? It isn't just what we think it is. Our brains are physically changing. Our bodies are physically changing. And it can't just be wiped away. It can't be forgotten. It's not just a figment of our imagination. It's not just a negative thought. It's not just a, a dark manifestation in our brains. Our brains are changing and we need a roadmap out of that. And, and that book, um, incredibly important personally, incredibly important professionally. And, and that's why it's, you know, that's why it was number one on my 50 best social work books of all time. It's definitely one that I'm going to read now. I'm looking forward to reading that. It's, I mean, it's, it's, it's massively popular. You know, it's sold, I think, about two or three million copies. Um, and it's popular for a reason. It's popular for a reason. It, it really is in the public conscious, particularly in America. Um, right, Tilly. Next is our favourite non-fiction books about anything. Now, I've only I've managed to pick one for this. How many have you gone for and why? Well, I've got several, but I'm just trying to narrow it down. Even as we're talking now, I'm thinking, right, how, how can I narrow down the list? I'm going to give you um, three. I'm going to allow oh, you three, okay? You've got three. Oh, okay. I might change my mind. I don't, I don't know if this is going to be set in stone, but anyway... Um, the Secret Barrister by The Secret Barrister. Uh, he's anonymous. Um, this was a book that actually inspired me in some ways to become a magistrate. Um, just talks about the English judicial system and how poor it is, really, and how much it's failing the people that we are supporting and, and people in society. Um and it inspired me to want to go out and try and do better. So that has a, a, a favourite place in my heart. Um, War Doctor by Professor David Knott. Now, this is an autobiography by a very famous surgeon um, who has done a huge amount of work overseas in war-torn countries. So we've had places like Syria um, in more recent years. There's been various places in Africa that he's gone to um, in the um, different wars in Europe that he, he's, I think he's now going out and doing some work in Ukraine. Um, he is trying to upskill surgeons um, across the world to, to be able to work better with people in war zones. And it just goes through his stories and just, he's an incredible man. Um, so that is a, a, a firm favorite of mine as well. Um, Oh, I don't know my third one. I'm just trying to work out which one. Probably Becoming by Michelle Obama. 
I just loved this autobiography. I listened to it on Audible, so it was her narrating it. And I can just listen to her all day. She's just the most inspirational person. Um, I love listening to her story, and I loved listening to the tales of her and um, Barack Obama in the White House and, and her children growing up. It just um, filled me with joy. I like it. She's got a new book out recently, hasn't she? It came out around Christmas time. Have you read that? It, I haven't read it. It's on my wish list. Um, I'm saving up some Audible credits because I've been drawn into other things recently, reading different books. So um, I will be listening to it because it's one that I would rather listen to than read because I just love listening yeah. to her voice. Good choices there, Tilly. Good choices. I haven't read any of those, actually. So I made, uh, The Secret Barrister is one that I have wanted to read for a while. And you've recommended... Michelle Obama's autobiography to me on many occasions, so I, I should get around to that. Um, I I could pick lots of nonfiction books. I could pick lots, but I, I've I've managed to, with deliberation and an address, choose one. And the one that really probably changed my life more than any other is "The Obstacle Is the Way" by Ryan Holiday. Um, people who aren't aware of Ryan Holiday, he is a proponent of stoicism and the, the Stoic philosophy, which mainly centres on Seneca and Marcus Aurelius. But you've got other people that, you know, would contribute it to it, like Cato and so on. Um, what Holiday does so amazingly well is he takes teachings from 2,000, 2,500 years ago, and he makes them relevant. He, he writes about how these teachings are immortal and eternal, and he links them to stories from people who will be more familiar with, such as Teddy Roosevelt. I, I pick him because, obviously, Brené Brown talks a lot about Teddy and particularly the importance of being in the arena and that the man in the arena or the woman in the arena, to update that, he obviously referred to the man in the arena with it being a more antiquated time, but the person in the arena is what matters and not the critics. So Ryan Holiday taught me the importance of stoicism, of grounding yourself and of not, you know, remembering that life is fleeting, life is short, remembering that this doesn't have to bother you, remembering that every action that you make is a vote for the person you want to become and really grounding me in the importance of what matters and what does not. And it really helped me drown out all of the things that are unimportant in life all of the things that do not matter and focusing on the most important things you know personal development family friends and peace and gradually stripping away all of the others i could pick a lot of his books all of his books are amazing he's he's my favorite non-fiction author by far the reason I've picked The Obstacle is the way is that was his first book on Stoicism, published in 2014. He's published five or six since then. But because The Obstacle is the way is his first book on Stoicism, that was the first one I read that introduced me to the philosophy. That's why that is my favourite nonfiction book of all time. I love it. Right. I'm going to be reading that too. I've read a bit about stoicism that you've turned me to actually on, um, but I haven't read that particular book. So He's I the best. Be He's the goat. He, Ryan Holiday is the goat of modern day stoicism. His, his work is amazing. It really is. Right, Telly, this is the one that you've definitely been looking forward to the most. That's why I've saved it for last. And I've, God knows how many you're going to give me here, but try... I, I, <laughs> I've managed to get it down to one, and it was it was damn hard, but I've managed to get it to one. Tell me oh, no. your favourite fictional book of all time about anything. You know, this is what are you going dressed up as to school next World Book Day? Okay, well, not dressing up, but oh, I can't, I cannot choose just. I'm going to give you three again. You, you're getting no more no. than three. You're getting no. three. No, I can't do it. I can't do it, Vince. I just, it's like... I might have to cut you out then. Let's try you. Okay. Oh, uh, no. Go for it. Um, I think the Harry Potter series have to have an honourable mention because they've just shaped my life, really, as we've talked about many, many times. It's no secret to any of our listeners on the podcast that I'm a massive Harry Potter fan. And I think just a, a, a series that has the test of time for me personally and I it's a series that I will go back to and reread when I'm happy when I'm sad when I'm ill when I'm feeling 
depressed or lonely or any any different emotion I just I need to go back there is it's a comfort it's like a, a warm fluffy blanket reading the Harry Potter series oh gosh right I don't even know oh I, I can't I can't do it you're putting me under too much pressure I, how many I, have I you will... got then just scare me how many okay. how many have you got on you how many favorite fiction books of all time do you have bearing in mind favorite implies one Mm. Um, I haven't actually counted, but not. Uh, <laughs> right, and it will change all the time. But I just, I'll just go. list them off. Let's I'll try. Let's off. try. Okay. Um, the Kite Runner by Khaled Husseini and A Thousand Splendid Sons by Khaled Husseini. Um, Little Women by Louisa May Alcott. Rebecca by Daphne du Maurier. The Midnight Library by Matt Haig. What else have I got on my list? Oh, A Long Way Home by Saru Brearley. Uh, the Wind in the Willows by Kenneth Graham. They're, they're, they're probably my, my favourite of all time. Oh, uh, Throne of Glass series by Sarah J Mass. That too. Um, yeah, I can't narrow it down. I just And it changes all the time. I read something and I think, okay, oh, that is okay, amazing. Okay, right. Uh, yeah. Okay. And I've... I don't keep track of everything I read as well. So I forget things and then I remember it. Someone will say, Oh, what about that book? And I'll be like, Oh my gosh, I remember that. I I loved it. And even if I don't really remember the story, I remember how it made me feel. Tell you it's role play time. Oh no. Here we go, oh, kids. No. It's role play time. Oh, um, can't I have I've only had one week off. I feel like I should limit you to one. You've done month. this, you've bought you've bought this upon yourself. Oh, okay. It's go role on, play then. time. Um I've got my dream job in the in the council of in the in the department for World Book Day regulations. I am um, I am head of serve. No, I'm, I'm more. I'm the director. I am the director of the council department for World Book Day regulations. It has been brought to my attention that someone has asked you for your favourite book on World Book Day. And you have given a list of eight books and two series. Um, you have been grasped. You've been dobbed in. Somebody has rang my book stoppers number. So it's not crime stoppers, it's book stoppers. Someone has rang the book stoppers free phone number. And they have said, um, there's this lady, her name's Tilly Baden. And she has not been following the guidance for World Book Day. So that's the scene. You have been summoned to a meeting at the council offices and my secretary, Cottage Dweller 7, is has just shown you into my office. That's the scene. Are you ready? Mm, okay. You, you, you can do the knock today. Right. Come in. Hello. Um, uh, hello, Ms. Baden. You may be wondering why you have been summoned to my office today. I have some ideas, but go ahead. It has been brought to my department's attention that you were questioned on the evening on the 7th of March, 2023. You were questioned by uh, one of my colleagues, and he has informed me that you have given a list of eight separate books and two different series when asked what was your favourite ever fiction book. Um, is that correct? Yes. That is unacceptable. Are you aware of the World Book Day regulations that have been recently introduced into this local authority? No. Are you unfamiliar with the changes that you've seen with the children on World Book Day and how they are far more uniform and in keeping with the ethos of this fabled celebratory day? It hasn't slipped my notice. Yes, you may have noticed. And that is just one of the things we've been doing. In order to crack down on this folly, and, you know, make sure that we make World Book Day great again. We are uh, ensuring that we crack down across the board. It's not just children. Um, so, Miss Baden, you are going to be given one opportunity and one opportunity only to refine your choices down to one singular book that will then be recorded on our council database as your favourite ever fiction book. I'm going to give you 10 seconds to give me an answer. Otherwise, you will be given a fixed penalty notice. So sue me. So try. <laughs> Take me to court. I dare you. 
Well, well, do do not test me, Miss Baden. You do not understand the powers that have been bestowed upon me under Bylaw 5209. I will be ripping up Bylaw 5209 and coming at you with my 10 top 10 books, including series. Uh, Cottage Dweller 7, get this woman out of my office now. With pleasure. Cannot believe you cannot believe that. <laughs> Honestly, you would take a fine. You would take a fixed spot penalty fine over over being able to choose a single book. I wouldn't pay it. I would take you to the Supreme Court or maybe even the European Court on Human Rights. That it's my no. human right to be able to choose more than one book. Good luck, good luck funding that, Tiddy, when I've got the weight of the local authority behind me. Um, you'll have to crowdfund that. You would have to send up a crowdfunding. Get get the secret barrister to represent you, okay, mate? I was gonna say, I think there's a few barristers out there that I would that would join my cause. I'm sure there are a few bookworm barristers out there. So if you're listening, any solicitors or barristers, or if you know <laughs> of anyone, if you've got partners, join my cause. You should not be made to choose a favourite book in the singular. You can have as many favourite books as you like. Well, I have. I've chosen one, Tilly. Oh, of course you have. Come on then, what is it? Up until two years ago, it would have been Cannery Roll by John Steinbeck. John Steinbeck's my favourite author. Um, Reading of Mice and Men at 13 was the most transformative reading experience I've ever had. There are books that have taught me more in terms of how I live my life as an adult, but reading of Mice and Men when I was in my early teens, it... it, it it's a good book. It, is it a good showed book. me the it. power. Yeah. It showed me the power of the written word, and it showed me how books can be about ordinary, everyday, humble lives, but can still be touching and amazing and beautiful because the, all the books that I'd read before that had obviously been you know when you're reading like young adult books and you're reading teenage books and books for children they all tend to be quite fantastical stories they don't tend to be about the everyday of mice and men was about the everyday it didn't end up being my favorite Steinbeck book because I got into other books and Cannery Roll was it was my favorite book it is my favorite book by Steinbeck Cannery Roll is is sublime if anybody hasn't read Canary Roll, I would urge you to read it. You can read it in a day. It's, it's, it's probably about 150 pages long. So until two years ago, it would have been Canary Roll. Two years ago, I read a book called Stoner by John Williams. And I have never read a better book in my life. I was absolutely captivated by it. It, 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 it is such a powerful book that even speaking about it moves me emotionally. Um, for those that aren't familiar with Stoner, it was published by John Williams, written by John Williams in 1965. Um, it focuses on the protagonist, William Stoner, who was born on a small farm in the late 19th century. And he ends up going to university to study agriculture. And when at university, he ends up staying there. Uh, he ends up getting into academia and spends his entire life as uh, as a lecturer at the university, and it is it is the most powerful depiction of an ordinary man's life that I have ever read in my life. I, I cannot recommend this book enough. It doesn't have anything particularly that stands out. It doesn't have particular plot twists. It isn't a fantastical story. It isn't a story of heroism. It's just the story of an ordinary person called William Stoner. Uh, and, and it has a power and beauty that I simply cannot convey in words alone. It is an absolutely exceptional book. It's the best book I've ever read. And it, I had this feeling. I had this feeling I got about halfway through the book. You know, when you... You know, when you're doing something or you're experiencing something or, or you're reading something or watching something, Tilly, and you get a point where you kind of realise that this is really, really special? Yes. Yes, absolutely. I was about halfway through the book and I, and I got this feeling that, wow, this book is is something special. When I got to the end of it, I knew there and then that it was the greatest book I'd ever read. And it, it's just, 
it's it's just that I love, but it, it, it reminds me a lot of Steinbeck's books. I, I like books that are about the everyday, that show the majesty and beauty and wonder of everyday life, and that teach us that we don't always have to reach for material gains in life. We don't always have to reach for the big ticket. We don't always have to go for the prize. That you can just live an ordinary life, but your mindset and your acceptance and your appreciation of that ordinary life can make every single day wonderful. And books like this, and this book in particular, show you that an everyday person's life can can be written about in a fantastical way that makes it captivating. And I ended that book. And I like timeless books as well. That's why I like Steinbeck. You know, Steinbeck's books were written 70 years ago, 80 years ago. Um, Stoner was written, you know, in 1965. You know, we're talking about a book that is, you know, 58 years old. Uh, and to this day, it's the best book that I've ever read. And I, I, don't, I don't think I'll ever read a better book. I honestly don't. So Stoner by John Williams, please, if you haven't read it, do do check it out. It, it is my favourite book ever. It's amazing. I've literally just added it to my um, wish list as we're speaking. Um yeah, that sounds good. I don't normally like the the, the mundane books. I'm more of a fantasy, um, take me out of my reality kind of reader. I, I like to read, as I said, for escapism. Um, I love magic and witchcraft and different lands or or historical books as well that are mm. set in different times and places. Just things that are take me out of my everyday life. Um, but I, I might change that just for this book and, and give a give a different genre a go but this is this is the thing though because stoner is a book that is very much so if you think of all my favorite books that i've listed to me they're all books that are very in keeping with my character you know they are yeah you know the body knows the store stoner the obstacle is the way um even the social work theory books that i read out those are books that are very niche and that i love them that much because they fit in with what i love and what i like and who i am those social work books, the 11 books that I read out, they are suited and they shape my own day-to-day practice as a social worker. The you know favourite books that I read out in terms of Lem Cisse's book and in terms of The Body Keeps the Store, very much in keeping with my ethos and my views. The Obstacle is the Way by Ryan Holiday and his books, very much in keeping with my stoic approach to life. And Stoner, very much in keeping with my own personal approach so these are books that whilst i'm recommending to people i do so with the caveat that these books i think somebody could see that collection of books who who knew me and could probably guess that they were my favorite books because they are very much in keeping with my character and approach to life yeah whereas mine are eclectic all over the place who knows (laughs) what i'm doing what what's going on in my life i love all sorts so um yeah, a, a kind of a more of a wing it approach. That's kind of my book choices and my life choices. There we go, guys. Um, thank you, Teddy. I've, I've enjoyed. I've enjoyed um, learning more, and, I, and thank you once again for indulging me in some on the side. I didn't even plan that role play, but it just it just worked. It had to be done. I thought that okay. might help you see the error of your ways. Mm, I think we need a monthly limit. I'll give you one role play session a month. Wow. A <laughs> lot more than I usually get, Tilly. It's a lot more than I usually get, my friend. <laughs> yeah, you're not allowed it for, right, we've got to have at least three episodes now where there's no role play. Right. So, so I can, can, can we diary. Can we diarise it so I can look forward <laughs> to it? Can I look forward to role play night? Would that be all right? Oh well, it's not all right, but but you're gonna do it anyway, whether I say it's all right. No, or not, yeah, so, no, um, you you know I enjoy it, and you know you can only handle it so often. And you've said, okay, I'll do it for you once a month. Okay, yeah, fine. Oh, Could okay. we perhaps get a, a contract signed up for that if I send no. it one over? Maybe a little signature. No. So it's just, no. a, can I get tokens? Can I have a role play token that I could cash in? <laughs> <laughs> no absolutely not but but can i roll I'm them sure... over can i save them up so if like i don't use it one month can i save up two for christmas <sighs> why do you make a, a good thing so much harder 
just just accept that I've said that you can have it once a month and leave it at that. And just take it. Yeah. Well, Tilly, oh, I'm excited. I'm excited for early, early April. Can I, hang on. Can I get an extra one for my birthday? Twelve, I, 12 a year, I, once a month, but an extra for birthday and Christmas. So 14. It was 14 <laughs> Hang on. No, come um, on. Oh, Oh, so once I'm going to regret saying this. I'm, I once really a month, but bonus birthday and bonus Christmas. Fine. 14. I reluctantly yes. agree. Yes. And thank you. Wow. I am very excited. Um, on that note, listeners, thank you as always for joining us. Um, do consider leaving us a review as Poppy Kate and Farah59 have done. We'll read it out at the start of the show. Thank you, as always, for your subscriptions, your likes, your reviews, your shares. Um, we do this show for you, our 5,000 friends. Uh, do check out mysocialworknews.com for my top 50 best social work books of all time articles. Got lots of writing from Tilly on there. Tilly does a fortnightly column for us. You can also follow us on social media, search for Social Work News on Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Facebook. Until next week, it's goodbye from me. And it's goodbye from me.